Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It's regular season time. We're here. It's been opening week, and we're a little bit late on this episode. We had personal things come up in the form of uh, calculus and physics, so we're going to ignore those. Uh, this is the most fun I've had watching baseball since the World Baseball Classic. Uh, but it's been the best regular season. It's a little bit biased because it's recent, but it's been so much fun already. How are you guys doing? I'm on the hype train. 2023 has been the best season ever. I mean, I've been watching it since the first pitch. Um, I'm just, I'm just so excited, man. This is a great time in the season. Everyone is, I'm ready to, Stavis, how are we doing? <laughs> I'm trying to think back. Cause I don't think I've been this excited to watch like in, like I, I always watch like the nationals opening day. Like I'll watch the opening ceremonies and all of that. Um, but I haven't been this excited to like continuously watch baseball for an entire weekend at least for opening weekend since like 2017, like not even in like, cause in 2019, the Nats were terrible. I was excited in 2020, but that was COVID. So it kind of messed everything up. And then 2021, 2022, now we're in 2023 and I'm just excited to watch baseball again. And the Nats still suck. So. Yeah, they, they, they do. Uh, that was one of the opening day games. I, I think they were paired at opening day with the Giants and the Yankees. Uh, we kicked it off right there. Um, I might have accidentally forgot to go to class just to watch those games. And the uh, we'll talk, we'll kick it off like the big summary of like Yankees Giants because it's the first like real game of the season. Sorry, Stevs, but you had Patrick Corbin pitching. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Patrick Corbin pitched and the Braves got right to him. Max Reed did get hurt, but the Giants Yankees game was a pitcher's duel. Uh, Tom, you, I mean, it was. It was really an experience for me because I didn't really watch a spring training game all the way through. I think watching this Giants game made me realize how much faster baseball is this season. Because mm-hmm. I, I watched and I really didn't stop watching. I was watching it on my phone at the library in between class the entire time. And I managed to finish the entire game before I went to the next class. So it was like, I mean, it was a hard, it, it wasn't very nice because we lost. But, you know, it was right back where we left off. Aaron Judge doing his Aaron Judge things. You know, he should be on our team, but that's fine. Logan Webb breaks the uh, strikeout record for uh, Giants on opening day, um, but still not enough. Our offense just went, you know, blank on us. But it, it was it was a good change. I there's even in the first game, first two games, there's been a lot more stolen bases, and that was what I was really paying attention to the first two games. Yeah, I like that. Especially, like I think up the whole weekend they were up a hundred percent from last year. I think we literally doubled the amount of attempts and the success rate was a bit higher, but I think that's just going to be an adjustment. Like that'll fall at some point. Um, The giants did not look great. Garrett Cole looked very good. So did Logan Webb to, you know, his own respect. I think the thing about pace of play is you don't notice it, but it's also when it was a much longer pace of play, right? You felt comfortable going to use the bathroom real quick and coming back. And it might, it's probably still the same at bat. I don't like leaving my seat because I feel like I'm going to miss my half inning now. Like I'm going to miss a good chunk of action. I, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing, especially for younger viewers who, I mean, obviously have a little bit less of an attention span. Um, the younger you go, the less attention span you have. I think it's better to bring in young fans to baseball. And it's not even that. It's also the fact that, you know, people have lives outside of baseball too. I mean, you know, you can't be spending four hours watching a game every day. Having shorter games is also better for the fans too. I mean, yeah, like, look at, I'm, I'm just kind of like, because, like, even, like, ESPN, like, they're covering baseball. Like, they've been, like, 
posting things on Instagram and, and Twitter and whatever about baseball. And that's something that really hasn't been happening in the past couple of years because baseball is kind of becoming a relevant sport in the eyes of, of mass media outside of just MLB media. So it, it's, it's good to see that it's getting the attention that it deserves. Yeah. And as a whole, right, you're able to, Tom points out, you're able to watch more games. We're carrying some momentum from the World Baseball Classic. So that's going to naturally have more viewers. People tune in. The content's good. It's going to retain those viewers and helps grow the game. Another thing Tom and I have pointed out a couple of times is we're able to watch a majority of our West Coast games. As an East Coast fan, the biggest player in all of baseball is Shohei Otani. And it's very difficult to watch him on a given night in 2022 because those games, you're in the fourth inning and it's midnight. Now we can watch six, seven innings of Shohei Otani. We could probably catch his entire start before it's midnight, which is a great thing for the growth of baseball, especially when, you know, half the fans are probably on the East Coast. Yeah, and I, I want to specify, I am I, I don't like less baseball. I'm not I'm not happy that there's less baseball. I'm happy and, and that's the thing. There is not less baseball. There is less downtime. I don't like watching dudes stand on screen for 30 seconds in between pitches. We are cutting that out. We're not cutting the action out. That's not what I'm saying. I, that, that's what I'm trying to point out here. I'm not, I'm not ecstatic that there's less baseball because that would be bad. I'm ecstatic that there is less, you know, absolute downtime, human rain delays on the mound, you know, guys walking around in circles. That is boring to me, and it's boring to a lot of fans. So I think cutting that out while also maintaining the same action that we had last year is just good for the game, dude. So I, I, you said that, and I pulled up the Jeff Passan tweet because he replied to somebody that had tweeted, like, uh, I, I still don't understand why the MLB is taking more baseball away from us. And then Passan replied with, I've yet to see, like, anyone provide a reasonable answer to that question. Like, why, what, what are we losing? Like, it's John the number show about himself. The numbers show uh, explicitly uh, this is more baseball, more hits, more stolen bases, more plays, more throws, and there's still 27 outs. The dude has the other dude deleted his his tweet. Damn. So that's just that's just like it's it's more baseball. You're seeing more hits. You're seeing more plays, more balls in play, more actually athletic plays that the the middle infielders have to make. Yeah, I'm think- trying to find the. Sorry, you got it real quick. I mean, I think it's easy to be negative on Rob Manfred sometimes. And, you know, he does, you know, you know, bring in a lot of a lot of hate. But this is a very good move for baseball. I think this is one of the best moves that they have made in a while. And initially I thought this is not going to work. This is going to be horrible. And I think that's what a lot of people thought. But now we're seeing it kind of unfold into action now. And it's I think fans are beginning to accept that this is good for baseball. and This is going to grow the sport and it's going to make it even more entertaining to me. Well, I think a lot of old heads, like like we grew up with that old head type of mentality of, of the game is the game. It doesn't, it shouldn't change. We don't want it to change, but change is good. Change is necessary for all good things to happen. It's it's necessary. So for this change to happen now, heading into the rest of the 2020s and, and beyond, I think it's the best thing for for baseball. Yeah, and I mean, my dad's an old-time baseball fan. You know, he's been watching the game for years since he was a kid. And he, when he was watching the game the other day, he's like, I feel like I'm watching a game in the 1980s or like the 90s, you know, because games were not long back then. So we really just cut out the early 2000s, 2010s when baseball started getting lengthened out for, you know, reasons that we can't really confirm because they were adjusting their gloves or walking around the mound, you know. That stuff is being cut out. 
but the baseball itself has never changed. Yeah, and so with the numbers, we want to talk about the change. Batting average and balls in play, pretty good predictive stat. It's kind of understanding. Uh, it can also have a lot of luck to it, but it's a good way of measuring where the league's at. Right? So from 2015 to 2023, grounders have decreased from 249 to 240. So this year, ground balls are still down because although the the extreme shift is gone, there's still some shift. You can have a guy literally two feet to the left of second base and the second baseman is still shifted over. He just has to be on the infield dirt. That can still happen. So ground ball is kind of still at a low Babbitt break. Line drives have gone up 31 batting average points on balls in play from 618 to 641 from 2022 to 2023. That's good. Line drives, you know, probably should be rewarded for hitting the ball pretty square up. And I think that a lot of that has to do with that, with the line drive into shallow right field. That is no longer an out because it's an actual hit. Fly balls are up 34 or 34 points. Uh, pop flies are up 16 points. And there's just some clips of just some egregious defensive plays. Like the Bermuda Triangle has come back, though. Something the shift has done is it kind of negated that because the second baseman can move over. The third baseman is much closer. Left fielder has more rain. Now you actually got to communicate. So I think that those numbers will fall back a little bit to average, especially the pop flies as the season goes on. But I trust that line drive number. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like even if you are not a big fan of, you know, growing offense and, you know, trying to maintain the pitching in baseball, you can tell it's still there. Pitchers are still dominating out there. I don't think there's much of a significant change. I think 30 points in BABIP is not going to, you know, take away pitchers' ability to, you know, be do as dominant as they were before. I think we're going to see a lot of growing pains with, like, we've already even, like, kind of seen it. Like, um, who was, I think it was Camilo Duvall against the the Yankees. He was kind of having, he was having some struggles out on the mound, and he couldn't, you couldn't get out there to talk to him as many times as you wanted to talk to him to calm him down. And and, and you saw it a couple of times with a couple other guys. But that, Duvall was just the guy that popped into my mind. So it's just, it, it's going to take some time to getting used to, and you got to realize you are on the mound you have one visit and you got it you have what 15 to 20 seconds to to calm yourself down get on the mound and throw the pitch you want to pitch i mean it's a it's a good example it's not a great example because it was pouring down rain and it was a safe situation in the bronx it's not a very easy situation i feel like that made it very hard to save imagine trying to save a game against one of the best offenses in baseball and pouring rain trying to get a grip on the ball that, that well, yeah, but like out. that it, that adds like, yeah. that adds to it, right? Like there's there's extenuating factors that are going to affect you, and you just gotta you gotta figure out you gotta work through them. So it's it's gonna take some time. And like, who was it? Was it was it Carrasco? Carrasco got I think it was yesterday. Carrasco his, got a his first pitch. His first pitch. He got a he got a violation. So these these as we grow with the game, like next year, I think it'll be a lot different to start the season. But right I think now we'll be it's used to it. be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, but right now there's some growing pains. There was what, like on opening day, there was like 16 violations or something like that. I'm probably over-exaggerating the number, but I think next year, if it was 16, it'll be half that. And then as we go, it'll, it'll, there'll still be violations, but like it won't take as much time to like explain what happened and stuff like that. Yeah. You can just simply say, and they violated the pitch clock. They took too long to get ready and everyone yeah. unless they're new to baseball will understand exactly what that means 
Yeah. Right. Do you guys want to start getting into the series? Yeah, down. we kind of we kind of started it. All right. Do you want to kick off in the AL, the NL, the IL? I mean, let, let's let Tom talk about his Giants and, and the Yankees. All right, series. we're starting in the IO. All right, just just the whole series. We're gonna go through. Um, game one was all Yankees. Um, pretty much same story. Game three, but we'll get to that in a minute. Garrett Cole obviously shoved that entire game. Logan Webb made, I think, pretty much. I, I would pretty much say he made two mistakes the entire game. He really did not leave much in the zone. He looked nasty out there. He was really, really good at locating that sinker on the out, outside half of the plate. It was really good at painting um on the opening day and it was, it was amazing to me um if he just doesn't let up I mean it's easy to make a mistake to a team with so many power bats like the Yankees um I don't expect Webb to give up four runs a game I think he's going to be better than than that um but that's just two mistakes um second game this is one of those you know the Giants are literally night and day it I, you're either gonna get the power hitting you know freaking offense giants are you going to get the shutout giants and game two was the offense giants and we outscored the yankees seven to five bit of a scare at the end of the game and that like steps mentioned does highlight like it, i think it honestly adds more suspense in these situations because not only does camilo Duvall have to worry about the rain and facing the power bat but he also has to worry about pitching the ball off in time so it's it, it, like even as a fan it's more entertaining to watch like i mean sure you can build suspense by waiting longer like in previous seasons but I feel like the clock makes it so that you know it it builds even more suspense. It's different. It's a different type of suspense, right? Yeah. It's that like quick pace, like oh my god, you already got to go. But instead of that, like waiting for it to happen, which I I don't know which I like better. I think I think I'll need to see an actual playoff game to judge that. But yeah, and then game game three, um, Giants offense went back to sleep. Um, you know, they just weren't, they didn't show up. It was okay. I mean, we lost to freaking Clark Schmidt, man. Uh, who did, he did look very, he looked, he looked pretty good. I'm not going to lie. He looked pretty good out there. Um, Didn't you guys kind of get to him though? Yes, but just not, not driving in runners and scoring position was kind of our big problem with the game. Um, and I mean, once again, this Yankees lineup has a lot of power and there's not many mistakes you can afford to give up against this team. Fair enough. I mean, I, I think the Giants looked okay, but I wasn't – I think you even said you're not pleased with the offense, and I think that's something that we can kind of look at going forward is, like, this ain't – this doesn't look great. Yeah, I mean, I, I know we're not covering uh, the game after opening weekend, but, I mean, damn, you see yesterday's game? Seven home runs. I mean, this this is either night and day with this team. I really don't know what I'm going to get with this team. I don't know if – you know, we got to find some consistency here, but – the team, the defense that I saw, the pitching is is decent that I'm seeing so far. You six. left six runners in scoring position, um, yeah, against the Yankees, but so did the Yankees on that game. So, the Giants started off iffy. Yankees, they looked solid, but I feel like they didn't feel like the Yankees. I feel like it was like last year, right? I think Stanton looked pretty good. I think Judge looks good. Peraza is exciting. I think he stole two bases. Um, yeah. Donaldson I mean, was yeah. Or who did I say? Yeah, Volpe. you said oh, it right. okay. My bad. I, uh, I was right there. Yeah, uh, he looked exciting. I think he'll be solid. I don't think there's much power there, but the defense is good and the stolen base metrics are good. I think that'll He's be got really a good exciting. eye at the plate. Like we were we were talking about it in that first at bat, he came out swinging and then he settled himself down and took four straight balls and got on base. And then 
Yeah, it was pretty solid. And then we go over to Texas, where Jacob DeGrom and Aaron Nola, two Cy Young favorites, square up mano a mano on opening day, and they both allow six earned runs. Uh, DeGrom looked rough. Nola looked rough. And then the Rangers came out on top. They had a lead. They came back from a 5 nothing deficit. And what happened? They brought in Gregory Soto, and he got shelled. Rangers go on to win game one. 11 to 7. They won game one 11 to 7. They win game two 16 to 3 with Zach Wheeler on the mound. They get to the bullpen again. They get to Craig Kimbrell. They get to wow. Anthony Dominguez, too, right? Yeah, that was game three where the Rangers also oh, the there Rangers it is. take all three from the fight in the Phillies. The Phillies were 0 3 to start the season, and now they are 0 4. A little spoiler for Friday's episode. Uh Game three, two one Rangers, kind of a pitching masterclass by Bailey Falter and Martin Perez. Martin Perez looked pretty solid. Will Smith comes in for the save. Rangers beat the Phillies three times in a row. No, but I'm saying like there's like winning games, but then there's beating. I think the Rangers like they slugged them and they beat them in a close competitive game. I mean, is there like, I mean, I I don't really I I mean outside of like obviously like the pitching, but like. Like the the offense showed up in game one, and then for the Phillies, and then that was kind of it. I mean, the game. I mean, honestly, game three was the best game. Like, I'm not, I'm I'm not gonna say best game because game one was probably the best game, but like game game three was a really really well played game on both sides of the ball. Like like Josh Young hit a home run, and I I watched that because I was on that was the game on ESPN, so I watched that game like the whole all the way through and it was it was just a solid game played from both sides yeah i mean even like I, i'm gonna say i don't think this is the player of the series but i think a, a, like an honorable mention is adolis garcia he made some really good plays in the outfield while also mm-hmm. i don't think he hit for extra bases but he had like five or six singles which is still important to scoring runs on this team i mean i'm proud to say i was not a doubter in this offense um however i also kind of doubted the defense and they kind of did prove me wrong here. I I was kind of surprised that they only allowed four through the last two games against one of the best offenses in baseball. Um, A lot of unexpected things from this team. I don't, I don't think, I, I mean, we all knew that the, their offense would be, you know, pretty explosive, have that potential, but like outscoring, outscoring the, the Phillies by this much. I mean, they already got like a plus 27 run differential. So it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, so next series, we go over to St. Louis, right? Big series, Blue Jays Cardinals. I feel like this would be a fun World Series. Like, two crowds that really love it. Blue Jays and Cardinals, and game one kicks off. You got Manoa and who did we start against? Michaelis. Yes. Neither of them make it out of the third inning. Not what you want for your opening day starters. They're both it's going back and forth, back and forth. George Springer gets five hits. They go up in the bottom of the eighth, the St. Louis Cardinals, this is, and they put Ryan Helsey on the mound to seal the deal. And what happens? Blue Jays come back and win it 10 to nine. I mean, it's the display of two powerhouse offense who we kind of had doubts of their pitching. Um, it, it looks like a game that you'd expect from them. Yeah. Um, not too surprising. I think, um, I think both sides had some very good power hitters. Um more importantly, the leadoff. I mean, like a couple of guys you didn't, you wouldn't expect from the Cardinals. I think you know you got the you got the stars themselves in in Goldschmidt and Arenado. But like, 
who's what I'm, I'm blanking here. Nolan Gorman played good. Brendan Donovan played good. Brendan Donovan. That it was he's, the, Donovan. he's the unsung unsung hero that no I don't think a lot of people were expecting, but he made a lot of tweaks to his his stance through the throughout the offseason and got a lot of work in and he's come out the gates hot. He had five home runs last year and he already, he's already at two, I think, so far this season. Yeah, I mean that's definitely having having a good uh, leadoff bat with power threat is definitely you know good for this this team. And, then, and you got you got Jordan Walker got his first base hit in that game too. So I mean, that it was a good smoked. it was a good it was a solid first game. Uh, and then and then game two kind of fell apart for the Blue Jays and game three. Uh, game game two was a four to one Cardinals win. Game three was a nine to four Cardinals win, and Bassett got shelled for nine runs. All of them earned. Brad, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on Chris Bassett getting getting demolished? Sad. I'm a big Chris Bassett supporter. Uh, they yeah. really need Chris Bassett to be good. I tweeted out earlier today that uh, this is we're going to ignore. We haven't seen what Jose Brios did yesterday. That this Yusei Kikuchi start today is really, really important. Because Kevin Gossman looked fairly solid on in game two on Saturday. Uh, there's three unearned runs. There's on a match having throwing error. He would have been out of the inning. Manoa got hit hard, Bassett got hit hard, Rios got hit hard. So right now, their only successful starting pitcher was Kevin Gossman. So that's a little bit of a concern right there. Their bullpen actually looks somewhat, somewhat responsible, somewhat effective. Their offense is solid. We knew the, the offense isn't to worry for the Blue Jays, except for, you know, when they get almost no hit by Jack Flaherty, who walks seven people in five innings. And that's a weird stat line. I mean, is that would you call that a good game or like no? A, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, you, you, you I don't know. I, he's got to get that down. But I mean, obviously, with the limiting the hits, I, I I'm pretty impressed by the start. Just gotta. I think it's I just effectively it. wild. Yeah. He's best way of putting it. He's just effectively wild. He wasn't that good. Uh, anything else significant happened in that in that series? No, not really. Other, I mean, other than uh, Adam Wainwright singing the national anthem, oh and that, that that's the highlight of the whole series to me, man. That's the most memorable intro to a season I've ever had. <laughs> he, he he was their opening day starter. He did start it off for them. Uh, heading over to the National League, Stevs, you got your Nats here. What happened there? All right, game one, C.J. Abrams, absolute defensive master class, going to be a gold glove winner with three errors in the first game. Uh, Braves take that one 7-2. to Corbin honestly did not look like the worst pitcher in baseball. He didn't look good by any stretch of the imagination. But he didn't look like the worst pitcher in baseball. Not worth the contract still. But, I mean, what, he gave up four runs, two of them earned because of the Abrams errors. So it's not... It wasn't the worst start for him. He went through what? How many innings did he go? Three, I want to say. Three, that sounds three right. and a third. Three and a third. Um, and then speaking of starting pitching in that day, uh, Max Freed goes three and a third. Corbin did go three. I was right. Uh, Max Freed goes three and a third and gets pulled after what was it was a it was a it was leg a injury, hamstring, hamstring. Yeah. So yeah. he'll probably go on the IL for a little bit. So that's not good. Uh, game two. Was all Braves all the way through seven to one victory. Um, Kbert Ruiz gets a bomb at the end of it, but Josiah Gray, known for giving up the most home runs in last last season, gives up two bombs back to back to Ronald Acuna and Matt Olson to start off the game. Not a good start. Uh, he threw a lot of curveballs. Um, and didn't really use his cutter at all. 
which was his pitch that he worked on a lot and was very, very effective in spring training. So I don't know why, um, but I don't know. Maybe it's a mental thing. We'll find that out. Um, game three, though, Nats got the win, 4-1. to one. Um, Kind of what? Who was their pitcher? I forgot their pitcher's name um, for that game. It was... So you're supposed to be a Nats fan, man. I know. Mackenzie Gore was ours. I was thinking about the Braves. Oh, uh, Jared Schuster. Jared yeah. Schuster. He kind of came out, um, looked a little flustered, couldn't find his spots. Um, but then he kind of settled down after that, gave up four in the first and settled down um, and kind of and kind of kept the Braves in it um, for a while. Mackenzie Gore looked good. Um, Brad's uh, does not didn't think his fastball shape looked very good. Um, but I don't know how you, what you saw throughout the rest of that game. Um, but his off speed looked good, got a lot of strikeouts, um, went through six innings and got the Nats their first one of the season. I mean, I, I, I'm going to say the bad thing first before the good thing. Um, first, C.J. Abrams, God. Um, second, you know you've hit rock bottom when you're saying you're proud of Patrick Corbin lasting three innings in the game. But I'm I, not I, saying I, I'm proud of it. I'm saying he didn't look like the worst pitcher in baseball through three innings. No, uh, that was just high grade. That, yeah, yes. Josiah Gray took that role. Um, but game three, I, that was actually shocking. I, I really thought that the Braves would outscore the Nats the entire series by like five or six runs a game. But that the Mackenzie Gore, um, despite Brad not liking the fastball shape, did limit solid contact the entire game against one of the best lineups in baseball, which it, which is weird to me. Um, maybe it's because they're not familiar with him because he's young, but maybe it is also because he's got that dog in him. He's got something going with him. Um, but if there's anyone that's shown, you know, some hope in this, in this rotation, it's definitely Mackenzie Gore. So that is something to look forward to. I mean, it, it, through spring, Josiah looked really good and he leaned a lot on his cutter, which he didn't really throw in game one, which I'm still confused as to why. He threw his grade 40 slider or a 42 stuff plus. So it's 58% below league average. That was his yeah. most used pitch. Yeah, that'll so, get him. No. That'll get him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't under, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe he just didn't like his stuff. I think his neck starts in cores, so that's not going to be helpful to him at all. Um, but hey, let's head to the Brewers versus Cubs series, which was a very, very good series. I'm gonna let Brad talk about it because his boy comes in in Game Three. Uh oh, we obviously know who starts Game Three. The master class himself, Eric Lauer. Uh, he pitched solid. It's a good start to his Cy Young campaign. You know, we could take a little bit more of a step in the right direction. But you know what? I'm happy with where we're starting this season. Eric Lauer, uh, for guys that don't know why he took him in my Cy Young trip. Uh, he went five and a third, two earned. And the Brewers ended up winning that game because Eric Lauer started. They won nine to five. The Brewers offense looked pretty solid outside of game one, where they got shut down by Marcus Stroman. And Corbin Burns got hit pretty hard. Cubs take game one for nothing. Game two went to the Brew Crew. And game three also goes to the Brewers. I like the Brewers offense right now. I think it is pretty solid. We saw what they did yesterday to the New York Mets. Justin Steele, however, looked very good for Chicago. But when they pull him, the Chicago bullpen just is not that crew. No pun intended because they're you know, facing the crew crew. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know what? Cubs look solid. Dansby Swanson had a great homecoming. Cody Ballinger still is horrible. Uh, I don't miss him. That's that serious. I mean, the only thing I can say is that, you know, I kind of have to admit, I, I was a Dansby Swanson denier. You know, I really was like, you know, stats this year. I mean, he came out the gate hitting like what, like eight hits in the first series. You know, he's up there on average now. Um, 
maybe he is the real deal. I don't know. He would be nice on the Giants right now, but, you know, what are you going to do about it? He was never going to the Giants. He that was, was never going to be an option. He was in the conversations. Was... Mm, he was never going to go to the Giants. That's bad. Okay, go ahead. Next. We got okay. the Pirates-Reds. And this was a fun series. I never thought I'd say that about Pirates-Reds in 2023. And it wasn't fun because the Pittsburgh Pirates were involved. It was fun because of the Cincinnati Reds pitching. First game, both pitches did not look great. Mitch Keller struggles through six innings. Hunter Green gets pulled in the fourth inning. Uh, struggling with control a lot. Wasn't really getting calls to go his way. Pirates take game one, five, and four. Game two, however, we get to Nick Lodolo on the mound. And he generates 22 swings and misses in his first start of the season. He looks fantastic. Nick Lodolo looked very, very good. And I really like Nick Lodolo. Tom, you said he had a hot take? I, I was I was looking at this Reds rotation and looking at what's happening. I think for the first time in a couple of years, um, maybe in a long time actually, the Reds have two starting pitchers eclipse 200 strikeouts in a season. I think it's possible that Lodolo and Green can't eclipse that 200 mark if they maintain a healthy season. They generate the most swing and misses from, I mean, in the entire league, they have extremely high case per nine. It's just their ability to go deep into games. Uh, you know, Hunter Green got the control issue and Lodolo. Have not seen that much of him yet, other than his insane start. Um, the well, there's, I, I, there's one other guy. Graham! Yes, Gr- Graham Cracker. Is he the one who has the similar cutter to Corbin Burns, or does he? What, what's his What's his pitch that he goes to? Uh, he's got a fantastic cutter and a fantastic slider. Uh, they're both very, very good. He grades out at a 134 on Stuff Plus. That was among the best in all of baseball already this season. Remember, that's always updating. Uh, he is the second highest pitcher behind Shohei Otani. He has a 127 cutters for Stuff Plus and a 152 slider for Stuff Plus. The dude's got great stuff. He throws a power cutter. And when he's able to locate it where he did against the Pirates, it's borderline unhittable. So I, I'm i a big Graham Ashcraft believer just based on one start. But nonetheless, he actually did strike out some batters. Last year, he had a nearly a 15% strikeout rate. Not 50, 15 and this season, you struck out six through seven. So I think there's a step in the right direction right there. I mean, he's definitely a guy who's going to shatter some bats with the cutter. So, I mean, that that's effective in itself. I really do think that the Reds got something brewing in here. Not for this year, not for next year. Probably not the year after that, but the I'd year give after him, that. Brad, I'd ahead. give them three years before they start being somewhat competitive. Fred? Tom, in 2019, the Cincinnati Reds had two pitchers that flips 200 strikeouts. I said a couple years. Well, that was because <laughs> well, who did it have? It was a Castillo Luis Bauer? Castillo and Sonny Gray. Sonny mm. Gray hit 200. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sonny Gray was good. Yeah, he is good. He we're, is good we're gonna get he, we're gonna get to the Twins in a little bit. Um, um, you I, want? Uh, yeah. You uh-huh. want me to take? You want, you want me to take the Mets and the Marlins? <laughs> yeah, you got it, man. This is our this is our first four game series that we've covered so far. Um, Mets take three out of three out of four though. Um. The Marlins' defense really hurt them in Game Four, um, but outside of that, like I don't like what it, it it was just coming up all Mets. The Mets kind of they they did everything right throughout the whole time. Uh, game Two, they wore their uh, Flashback Friday jerseys, um, and Soler and Chisholm homered to give them their their two one lead, and that pretty much stuck through. Um, outside of that, game four was Kodai, or was a game, was a game four or three? It was Sanga. It was game three. Uh, game three was Kodai Sanga, 
looked a little rocky coming out the gates um, through the first inning, but he settled in and pitched a gem for the rest the rest of the time he was in there. Yeah, I mean, I I I mean, I was watching some of these games, but there just wasn't like these like big highlights coming out of the series. I mean, it was a good series, but there wasn't like you know earth shattering home runs, you know, big plays. Um, I don't think it's surprising. I think I think one out of three for the Marlins makes sense. Um, the biggest highlight for me was the jerseys. I mean, the Mar- Brad, go ahead. Yeah, it's one out of four. One out of four. You know what I meant. Um, I I think the highlight for me was just the jerseys. They really got to make those more consistent. It's every Friday, dude. It is consistent. Well, they they're only waiting on Fridays then. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, um, I I will say one point real quick. Luisa okay. Rise look. He's just a pain in the side. Like he's a pain in the side of opposing teams. He's just gonna get like cheap, cheap base hits. He's just gonna do it constantly. I like Luis Arise. I never really watched him on the Twins because the Twins were unwatchable last year. But when I watched the Marlins so far, he's been he's always having a competitive at bat, no matter who the pitcher is. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can really argue against that. I mean, what he got, he kind of, I think he showed it was the he he was the one that hit the ghost fork against Senga. I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um and he, he stayed on it and he hit it he drove it so I mean he's he's gonna go up there he's probably gonna win the batting title again we're gonna see how that kind of shakes out but you know uh, let's head over to the Rockies and Padres series and the Rockies take the first two games in a stunner uh, in San Diego uh, and then the Padres bounce back and win win the next two to split the season the series so far um, between them and the Rockies but the Rockies didn't look terrible I mean. They did look bad, but they didn't look terrible um, in game one and two. Um, and, I mean, C.J. Crone was very good. Uh, and if they do not trade him by the deadline this year, I don't know what they will be doing. I mean, the yeah. Colorado Rockies. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously. But I I mean, it was just a, it was a very offensive, you know, based first two games. And I was kind of surprised that, you know, this this – Less than mediocre pitching staff for the Rockies managed to give up three runs in two games um, against one of the probably the most stacked lineups I've ever seen in my life. Um, but I, I, is it something that that worries me about this Padres team? I, I don't think so. I really don't think that that losing two games to the Rockies to open your season is not going to, you know, really impact everything, especially with Tatis still coming back. I think it's going to be all right. Um, and they're still missing Musgrove. You Darvish hasn't pitched yet. They were still relying on, you know, some of the back half. What, Brad? You Darvish is their opening day starter. Who might? Who? No. Yeah. Oh wait, yeah, no, no I'm tripping. Wait, never mind. <laughs> As he is pitching currently. Yeah. 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 Anyways. Yeah. I no, mean, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. I'm just. I was gonna go to the next series. I don't think we really need to talk anymore about them. Um. Diamondbacks versus Dodgers, Brad. Uh, the uh, Dodgers go out and split a series that they people, people are like crapping on the Dodgers for splitting the series. But Tom, if you look at the game, if you look at the games where the Dodgers lost, right, they were pitching pitchers duels. And the ones with the Do- the Dodgers limited the Diamondbacks to seven runs over four games. That's pretty solid, in all honesty. And Game one goes to the Dodgers. Julio Rios gets hit for two runs in the first inning. We're really concerned. It looks like it's the Mexico game. And he recovers. He goes six solid innings. 
And the Dodgers offense shows up. James Outman, MVP right there himself. Freddie Freeman looks really good at the plate. Will Smith is using the opposite field for the first time in his career. That's really dangerous right there. A quality bat who discovers the opposite field for base hits. That's what you want in your starting catcher. Game two, Dustin May goes seven innings, no earned, and they bring in Alex Vesia when Dustin May is throwing like 85 pitches. And Alex Vesia lets up a two-run bomb in the eighth inning. Dodgers lose game two, two to one. Game three, Dodgers, it's just an offensive juggernaut. And by that, I mean a Trace Thompson juggernaut. He hits three home runs. He's one home run away from the home run cycle. Clayton Kershaw, that guy's pretty good. He lets up a solo home run to Christian Walker. And besides that, just at, the Diamondbacks baffled. He generated 10 swings and misses on his curveball, which, you know, it's a Cooperstown curveball. It doesn't matter who he throws it against unless it's, you know, like Aaron Judge. But they'll miss. And it's very or in successful. the playoffs, but... No, that's him with a slider. Um, yeah. And then game four, Noah Syndergaard comes in the mound. We're all shaking in our boots because Noah Syndergaard looked horrible this spring. And he dominates. He's not getting too many swings and misses. The velo sitting 92-93. What's he doing? He's getting people off balance. He's getting changes below the zone, driving sliders on the back foot of lefties. And he's throwing 75% strikes. He had one 2-0 count his entire start. If he's not going to throw velo, that's what you got to do. And if that's the mold that he stays with, I like it. I, I think the most, I, I think the biggest takeaway for me from the series, and, and I like a lot of things in this series I expected. I expected, I, I didn't expect them to split, I, but I expected the pitchers to show up. I expected the bats to show up. The thing I didn't expect was Miguel Vargas to walk like 50 times in that series. I, I mean, he's literally with that, with that, with that um hairline fracture has become Juan Soto with the vision at the plate. He just, he just gets on base now. I think he's got like a 780 on base percentage right now. Um, coming away with like something about six or seven walks in that series. Probably more, actually. He had a 61.5% um, walk rate this weekend. I mean, it's just it's just weird to see. Um, but he did rack up his his was it his first hit in the in the majors this series, or was did he called up before? Uh, he was up last year. He just didn't get consistent playing time. Yeah. So I mean, first hit as a starter, really. Um and I mean, it seems like the young guys are coming up, and I, I really do feel like James Alman might, you know, end up in that rookie of the year, you know, conversation by the end of the season. I 100% agree with that, especially when you look at James Altman's defense, and he's already in the 97th percentile. Oh, 99th now, sorry for outs above average. That's he's pretty bad. Yeah, that, that's bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a very good defender. He's, I we we appeared earlier this or late last week on Variety Sports Network's baseball seventh inning stretch. And I was told to pitch James Outman, and I was said, if he doesn't hit, he's Cody Bellinger. If he does hit, he's better than Cody Bellinger. So what's not to like there? I mean, you're right. I just – it's just about slotting people in. Um, you know, with with guys like Trace Thompson and also Chris Taylor, um, I mean, obviously you cannot move Mookie Betts. So there are going to be days where – Trace does not start. Well, is he is he going to be a guy that plays 150 games a season? Outman or Trace? Yeah, Outman. I hope so. Okay, because at this point, it looks like he's a platoon bat with Trace, and it's weird. I'm not sure if they're they're switching in and out because who's their who's he their, their full time left fielder? Game. He, yeah, Outman's played four or five games already. Okay, that's good because I, I was worried that they would make the same mistake that they did before and just you know send it back. It was down. just like a scheduled <laughs> off day, kind of like like yeah. Abrams. Abrams had off, well, not yesterday, the Here's day the before. Thing. 
one of them's contributing to this dude. I mean, yeah. yeah, but like it's just a it's a scheduled day off. That's what I'm trying to say, Brad. Yeah. All right. Moving into the American League, we kick it off with the Orioles and the Red Sox, where the Boston Red Sox score nine runs in every single game. Game one is an absolute like, what is this? The Red Sox just light up Chris Sale or Corey Kluber. Sorry, they get to Chris Sale in a different game. They light up Corey Kluber. He's out by the end of the fourth inning. Adley Rushman goes five for five. And the Orioles look like they're doing great until they almost blow it. They come back and win it. They win 10 to nine. Good job, Orioles. However, the same cannot be said for the next game because they do not win it as Felix Bautista struggles to open the season. And game five, the Red Sox pretty much just have it the entire way. They're out hitting them the whole way through. Well, you said game five, but that's you said yeah, game no, five. There's the last one. Something, something that was surprising to me. I mean, Red Sox proving me right. Talking about at the beginning of the season, I'm like, this is a powerhouse offense. Um, what did surprise me is that the Orioles um did not do much to stop this powerhouse offense. Their pitching did not look good this entire series, at all. I mean, I, I, I mean, even Felix Bautista, you know, reliever of the year type of guy, did not look good. Instead, as you're looking up and you're blinking, like because I'm being thinking, because like uh, not the a Orioles, single red... the Orioles weren't supposed to have a good pitching staff. Like they weren't that that was supposed to be their weak point, and it uh, was, and it is. I don't know. But I don't. I, really... I don't. I don't see. I don't. I don't understand that point. That's all I'm trying to say. I, I like think... coming into the season, we knew that this was. They didn't go out and sign a starting guy. They got Kyle Gibson, Kyle. and they're paying. It's paying dividends right now. Brad, and the bullpen's this? atrocious. Call up Grayson. Call up Grayson. I think it's time. You got to give someone a chance. Um, Is he hurt at all? No. No, he's, he's, he's just in right the Yeah, he started. Okay. Um, but I mean, this Red Sox team is all around good. I mean, I don't think we all expected Adam Duvall to be, you know, this good, and he's not going to, you know, continue that the whole season. But I mean, it's, it's a good thirty-two war. He he's 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 starting off the season hot, and that's probably what you want. Um, you know, as a as a Red Sox fan, and also Masataki Yoshida looks great, and Tristan Casas is, you know, showing a little power. Uh, but that was yesterday, so that does not count as a weekend recap. But um, the offense just looks like it's there. Um, but I'm a little concerned about the uh, starting pitching because no one looked good that series at all. Uh, let's go to the other side of the coin with great starting pitching. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays absolutely just dominated the tigers they were on top of them it was bad uh game one four nothing raise game two 12 to two raise and then game three five to one raise like and what was it It was game it was jeffrey springs had 12 k's in game three yeah that was hey i mean incredible incredible outing from all three of the raise guys and they are currently what them and the rangers are the only undefeated teams in the league Rangers lost last night to the Orioles. Rangers lost. So it's, yeah. is it just, yeah. it's literally no. just the Rays. It's no, I thought the, there was. I swear, it's the Rays and the Twins. It's the Rays. Yeah, and the twins. Uh, I knew the there twins. was. A, I knew. I knew it was a T team. I was close. So, so like something that stood out to me this series is, I mean, we always regard the Rays as the pitching team, which, by the way, they are through through opening weekend. They are first in ERA, first in batting average against, and first in WHIP. Oh, um, dare I say they're top five in baseball? I don't even. I, okay. But what did stand out to me is that they're top five in every hitting stat. The offense is here. It's finally here. I really think that this is one of the best offenses that the Rays have ditched out in the entire, like, decade. I think this is one of the best. And that's not saying that much because they've never been, you know, an offensive powerhouse. 
but there are some real thump bats in this lineup, and Wander Franco looks great, and he's kind of the forefront of that. Also, uh, keep in mind, this team does look dangerous, and that is also because they have one of the easiest beginnings uh, to a season ever. They get to play Detroit, and then Washington, and then Oakland. They might go undefeated for a whole for a whole two weeks, so nah, keep your eyes out on that. Tonight. All right, moving on to another uh, – Hey, we game. have Chad Cool oh. pitching tonight. We got it, okay? That's okay, cool. yeah. Moving on to the next series, another series dominated by pitching. We have the Twins versus the Royals, and the Royals lineup was gone. Uh, they, they did not produce anything that entire series. That was quite depressing, um, you know, letting the young kids play. No, that did not work for them. Um, I think the Twins are a pitching force to be reckoned with. Uh, and also, if you have the full lineup in there and everyone's healthy – this is a team that might win the Central. I mean, it really is up to the fact that, you know, if everyone's healthy for a whole season, you're going to win. This team is good. Um, and not only that, but the starting pitching and the bullpen. I mean, there is no weak point in the pitching staff on this team. And they really they really do scare me at this point. They, they do look like a team that could threaten. I mean, I, yeah. I, I like yeah. them. I think the starting rotation we talked about, it's a bunch of number two starters. And yeah. when you have a full rotation of number two starters, you win a lot of games. Yeah, and Joey Gallo was actually fairly too, good too. And he I do want to talk what, about one two, thing. He hit two bombs in that game was... three. He hit two. He hit, yeah. he hit two in game three, and then he hit one yesterday. That was the first time he uh, made it on base four times in a game since 2018. Um, so that that's a Joey Gallo stat for you right there. I mean, I he did. Uh, they call him I think... small market Gallo, baby. He doesn't need to be in yeah. pinstripes. I, th- yeah. I think the smaller markets are where he's going to strive the best because, like, just the, the Yankees are were not it, and the Dodgers were, I guess, slightly better, but not it. And one more thing before I, before we move on. I want to ask Brad, um, did Spencer Torkelson look promising, or did he look bad? Did his exit velos look good? Because I, I was checking out his exit velos, and there's a couple, you know, hits that looked like they should have been, you know, actual base hits, and they didn't land. And it seems like the Spencer Torkelson curse is still going. Yeah, the spring training um, curse. Yeah, I mean, it really is real. I don't know. Let me check his expected stats. But uh, I really, at the moment right now, it does not. It yeah, just it looks like he's peppering the ball into the ground is really what it is. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's in the, the ball The strikeout hard. rate's lower, which is yeah. good. Uh, he's just peppering it into the ground. So we're making some progress. We'll get there eventually with Spencer. Steph, you want to bring hey, us to the next series? He's got two more years left. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> White Sox versus Astros. Game one, White Sox take it against the Astros. It was, what, their first loss in, like, 10 seasons on opening day, um, which is crazy. Uh, but then the Astros are like, hold up. No. And went three straight and sweep the rest of the series. But Dylan Cease was absolutely incredible. He sat down, what, 18 in a row um, in game one. Like, that was it was an incredible performance. And ESPN, like, showed one pitch, and it was like a Jose Abreu single. And then uh, that was it. It was, yeah. And then they took him out of the game. So, yeah, that that's that, yeah, it's ESPN. I don't even know what you want me to say. Uh, he looked really, really good. We also had the umpire cam where we got to see like the differentiation between his fastball and curveball, and that was a really unique view. I really hope they do incorporate that a bit more this season. Uh, it's just it's a new perspective to see how difficult hitting a baseball is. It's also really satisfying because who was it? It was who hit the bomb on umpire? Was it Josh Young? It was Josh Young. Yeah, yeah. he was he. Yeah, because I think that's the thing they're doing for ESPN on their mm. ESPN games. They're gonna have uh the the ump cam. And Josh Young absolutely peppered that ball to the opposite field, and it looked really good. 
Ooh, that's a point I didn't bring up earlier. Opposite field home runs have also doubled from opening weekend last year. I don't know if that's a coincidence or if it's just random luck. That's a result of the that shift. Has, I'm telling you. I'm that, no, <laughs> yeah. that, has, that has to just be random luck. There's no way yeah. there's any like scientific way to prove that it's because the, the, the pitch clock makes you go opposite field. Yeah, I mean, I so I have a couple. I have a couple takeaways from the series. One is that I believe that the only thing Yoan Mankata needed to restore his passion in baseball was the World Baseball Classic. I feel like the last couple of years he has just not cared at all. Because um, he's in the White that, Sox, and it seems to you know he seems to care again, and it, it really does. It, it, there's a huge difference because he is now slugging like no one else. Luis Robert looks good. Um, the pitching looked decent. Um. And you know, despite you know, Stevs makes it sound like the 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 Astros came back and just pounded them, but it was a very close series. That th- these games could have gone either way. I, I'm telling you, games two through four could have gone either way. They could have gone Astros. They could have gone White Sox. I really do believe this team. They, they they did impress me. You know, despite going one and three to start the season, I am impressed by the White Sox. They look like a promising team. And if they weren't playing the Astros, I believe they would have swept. You know, any other, a lot of other teams. Luis Robert looks pretty good as well. Like he's he's. If if he stays healthy, he's going to be very very good this season. The defense, especially with that diving play in center field, yes. um, Tim Anderson looks pretty solid. It's just again, it's the Chicago White Sox. The talent's there, no faith. It's just is everything else going to be existent? True. Yeah. Let's go to another team. None of us have any faith in the Los Angeles Angels. Um, they lose game one the Oakland Athletics uh two to one after Otani goes six innings seven. without giving up a run. Was it, so, was it seven? I think it was seven, but it doesn't really matter. Might all, have been seven. all you need to know matter. Is he goes six to seven innings uh without giving up a run. Bullpen comes in, gives up two. They lose the game. Uh er, er, uh Anthony Rendon gets into a fight with a fan after the, the game. Uh and that results in two games where the Angels outscore them uh, thirteen to one in the first game and six to nothing in the second game. Logan O'Happy looked really, really good mm-hmm. in both those games. Um, and Fujinami looked good through two innings, and then not so good in the third. The thing with him is like the stuff looked fantastic even in the in the third inning. It's just the control went absolutely, like just by like gone. Yeah. Um, it didn't go well. He has a twenty percent walk rate on the season. A 30-86 ERA. Mm, that's not what you want. And um, you know what? He'll be okay. It's game, it was game one. Yeah. I no. I I'm watched... a Fujinami hater. No, I'm a Fujinami believer. I I I saw a highlight, right? And it's his mom who traveled all the way from Japan and she's in the stands. <laughs> like she looks like such a saint, man. She looks she looks so innocent. And she was watching her son get destroyed, and I felt so bad. It really it, it crushed me, and I'm re- I really want nothing but the best for Fujinami now. I feel so bad. Like his mom looks so nice. Like I I just I I want the best for him. I'm I'm rooting for him to go, allow the, the you know the, the longest scoreless streak ever. I'm he's going on a run. But yeah, it was basically all angels after game one. Uh, a lot of offense. I'm definitely happy with the offense there. Taylor Ward showed up. Mike Trout. For the first two games of the season, was batting like a hundred, but had an expected batting average of like a thousand because he was hitting the ball like a hundred five off the bat in the gaps, but was getting robbed every five seconds. Uh, Brad, you got a point there. I have like a minor hot take. Okay. Ooh. The Athletics are going to be pesky. They're not going to win a lot of games, 
but they'll play competitive games. I agree with that. I think Estrella Ruiz was a positive surprise. Like, he looked fairly decent. His offense was solid. There is no power there at all. But it, it's a contact bat. If he could be a Stephen Kwan-esque hitter with the same type of defense, but actually steal some bases, then the Athletics actually didn't, you know, completely craft themselves on the stream. Uh, I'm glad definitely... you're turning around, Brad. I'm so glad to hear that. I, I mean... I'm not going to cover it completely, but they did, you know, play the Guardians pretty well last night. And, and I think that adds to your point that they, they do match their competition pretty well. And I feel like this is a team that has nothing to lose anymore. I feel like this team literally has nothing to lose. They are not worried about a thing because they are one of the worst teams ever constructed. Um, so I feel like that, that little, that little, you know, nothing to lose might add to their peskiness. Stavis, you got an idea on that? Uh, I definitely agree. Um, I, uh, back to back to Fujinami though. Uh, like I just I I I'm I want him to be good. I don't know why, but when he signed, I was like, I think this is a guy I'm gonna want to watch, and I will be watching all of his starts this year. Um, I'm excited to watch him play, and I'm I, I, I'm not excited to watch any of the Oakland Athletics games, but I'm excited to see what they can do and what havoc they can wreak. Because I do agree with Brad. I think I think they're gonna be pesky. I think it's gonna be fun to watch them kind of match the competition level. I mean, again, they did lose 13 to one and six to nothing against the angels in games two and three, but they came out and they won on opening day in Oakland with like nobody in the stands. So who knows? Um, but let's head over to an actually really good series. The guardians versus Mariners uh, Mariners take game one, three, nothing. And then the guardians win the next three, nine to four, two to nothing and six to five. All three games, though, or all four games, though, were really, really well played on both sides. Um, little kind of a uh, uh, couple miscues um, throughout, but pitching looked good. Defense looked good. Uh, offense looked good. I mean, there's not much more to say. It's probably one of the best series to start the year. Uh, I think this is a really telltale sign that the Guardians are like a legitimate contender. And it also does express the concerns of the Seattle Mariners. There are some people across the baseball community have had reservations about the Seattle Mariners this year. And I understand where they're coming from to some degree. Um, the offense isn't, I think it's borderline top 10 offense, borderline top 10 pitching, but can they put it all together? And you faced the former division winner last year and they got beat. And I think this is also somewhat of a hot take, but it's not, but it is. There'll actually be a competitive race nail central not a who can suck more race i agree with that through the first series yeah I, yeah i agree with that and I, I feel like i feel like both the twins and guardians are built pretty similarly in in the sense that they're both like more pitching leaning you know more starting pitching more relief pitching they both have insanely good bullpens um but yeah i mean i i this is a little foreshadowing this is going back to the guardian series Emmanuel Classe looked fantastic against the Mariners. Um, you know, last night, that's a different story. But that really was just one mistake. But we don't talk about that. I think Emmanuel Classe is still the best closer in baseball. Two mistakes. I know he let off a double. <laughs> um, but I, I really, I, I think they have the best reliever in baseball, and I think they have one of the best, like the best bullpens in general. Uh, Karinchak looked pretty good. I know he got little, little uh, flabbergasted in the first game with the fans chanting towards him, uh, the pitch clock that really got to him, but. He came back, I think, the next night and managed to shut down this pretty stacked lineup. So I, I really do have a lot of faith in this Guardians team. Yeah. That sums up all the series. 
So before we head out, MVP from the opening weekend. Ooh. I mean, it's got to be one of the players of the week um, for me, probably. I mean, I probably got to go with probably got to go CJ Crone, to be honest. I mean, he really was the most consistent throughout the series for this opening weekend. Steph, where are you at? I, I think I got to agree with that. But if I want to go somewhere different, I'm going to go Xander Bogarts. He showed out kind of uh, in San Diego um, through his first series. Um, he looked pretty good um, on Brad's little thing. He was he was fifth. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, he kind of showed out, kind of showed San Diego that it's, it's San Diego now. So that, that was, that was funny. Uh, Very good. since you guys took Cronin and Bogarts, I'll go with Adam Duvall. Um, we talked about him in the preseason, how, you know, he was hurt last year. That's why his numbers were kind of down and I expected a bounce back, but I didn't expect him to be on pace for 32 war this season. Sure. Do you guys yeah. have anything else you wanted to touch on before we head out? I mean, really, this is the most, you know, the most into it I've been for an opening weekend. I have been checking constantly, and I really, I really have enjoyed this weekend more than you know any other opening weekend. I'm just, I'm excited to actually go watch a game because I won't get that opportunity for another month and a half at least. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm literally like, I will watch a Nationals Athletics game. I do not care. I'm just excited to watch baseball in this new style. I agree with that. So looking forward, we're going to kind of restructure this episode a little bit. This is our first time going through this. You know what? It's fun. We love talking baseball. It's one of the best parts of our best part of my life. I don't know. One of the best parts of it. Um, But on Friday, we're going to cover the weekday series. We're going to go through a little bit more structured episode. And we're going to do our first playoff simulation where we go through what the playoffs would be today and who we think the World Series champions would be based off of today's standing. Not today. But like Friday, based off of Friday's standing. So I just clarify that. So if you're new, welcome to the Fourier Baseball Podcast. We hope you enjoy this entire crazy, convoluted season that we're about to go through. If you've made it through this offseason, you've joined halfway through. Thank you all for joining us today on the Fourier Baseball Podcast. If you want to interact with us at all, all social media links will be in the description below. If you've enjoyed, please consider leaving a rating, a review, or sharing with a friend. We will see you all next time on the Fourier Baseball Podcast. Peace. Stew.